Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gig Money Podcast. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my co-host, Drew. And today, we are going to do Drew's story of the day. And, you know, we'll just kick this right off with a story about the experience that we both had in a band that we were in many years ago. So, without further ado, Drew. So, let's set the stage for you. We've been playing with this band several shows. We've been playing with, uh, the band was called CVC. I don't know if I want to get into any more detail than that, but uh, yeah, they were really cool. Um, Definitely a different style than we were. Since we had been playing with them quite often, some of our fans had started to kind of get to know them and listening to them and didn't appreciate their music, much like they appreciated our music because they were two completely different styles. So on the show that we were going to be doing in Park City, one of our musicianal counterparts had uh, a friend who he started saying all this stuff about how bad that band was basically kind of belittling and degrading and you know people are allowed to have their own opinions on things so it's just like we'll just let it go because you know they can have their opinion and you know whether they like them or not is not our problem right so we go to the show we go to set up and the lead singer from that band come over all hot, just angry. So where's this guy at? Where's the friend at? Where's he at? Come on. I'm going to beat him up, you know? And, and so it got really, really uh, scary for a minute. We yeah, had he was kinda, a big guy. Yeah, really big like, guy. Like he was like, what, six four, or maybe even taller? And just like a more of a husky guy. He was, yeah, he was a big dude. So him yeah. coming up to you with that kind of aggression was just terrible. So he... He also, I know he did bouncing, you know, like throwing people out of the club in different clubs in Park City and Salt Lake City. So that kind of tells you there, he's he's kind of a bigger guy, you know, and, and it is a little intimidating. Granted, he is a teddy bear once you get to really get to know him, but he wasn't on this night. I was just saying that's fairly common, though. Just, you know, the the big aggressive looking guys are often, you know, the sweetest once you actually get to know him. I mean, like you're a Harley driver yourself. You got you know, shaved head and his big, awesome beard. And you're the sweetest guy I know. So, you know, you look like you could take somebody in a fight. Well, thank you. But really, you're just a very kind person. I, I think I could take somebody in a fight too. All right, well, let's do it. You and yeah, me. Yeah, true. Mud wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were all really good friends with uh, the entire crew, the entire band, right? So it kind of created a little bit of attention. So we weren't really playing many shows with them after that. It was just two kind of two different just genres, really. And the people who liked our genre didn't really like their genre. And the people who liked their genre liked our genre too. So, I mean, it worked out for them, but it didn't work out very well for us. But uh, yeah, and, and getting to know them all, the the biggest thing that I remember um, aside from that note that night, well, let's talk about the other band that was there that night, uh, Autumn. Autumn Eclipse. That's right. We'll talk about them. They're still they're still kind of relevant. Um, so their bass player had a eight string bass. That thing was really really cool. You want to describe it for them? I was I was blown away because they hit the stage that night in Park City, and dude comes out. He has the same name as me. His his name is Cody also. So right away we're like, oh, buddies. <laughs> But yep, yep. he comes out playing this eight-string bass. And for anybody that's not really uh, aware of how that configuration might be, it could be 
eight separate strings, or it could be set up like a 12-string guitar where they're set up on octaves or fifths or something like that is was one of the latter. And it was so cool just watching him play it and just hearing like the growling, like interesting mean tones that were coming out of it. Just, you know, bass is not something that everybody appreciates as much as they should. But this was definitely like one of those moments where the bass player was like, hey, pay attention to me. Right. All these strings and I'm doing all sorts of stuff. And people like, where's that sound coming from? It was really cool. So, you know, that was my first experience with a kind of 12-string, 8-string setup bass. And so it just blew my mind. He's the only one I've ever seen have one. Yeah. It's like a great white buffalo in terms of bass. Yeah. And they were just like a and punk the dude had a, rock like a, band, but it worked. He had like a two-foot mohawk. Still does. Yeah. Gigantic so. green mohawk and eight-string <laughs> bass and, you know, name's Cody, so he's obviously a badass. So, yeah. Anyway, so, so <laughs> yeah. Autumn Eclipse, that was a really cool show. That, you know, that gear was really, really awesome as well. But one of the, the things that kind of strike me about thinking about CVC is one of the very first shows we did with them, their drummer wasn't going to be able to get in and play the show because he looked like he was 12, right? I mean, seriously, he didn't even look like he could have been passing his 18. Granted, I think he was, actually, I think he was 16. Yeah, Can't remember. he was fairly young at the time. Yeah. But so, I was, at the at the same show, I was also underage. The yeah. thing is, we got in without any problem, because at that point, I had grown facial hair. Yes. So they Which helps. they didn't harass us. Right where this drummer, he looked like he was a 12-year-old girl, actually. He had this long, flowing, beautiful hair. I mean, of course I'm going to notice that because I have none. But, <laughs> yeah, just the sweetest dude ever. He was he was awesome, too. Really, really cool. Um, but I remember at all these shows, we would always be concerned of, like, are they going to be able to play? Are we going to be able to play because of our underage players? So that was always kind of an interesting time. Yeah, but on this particular night, we got in. We weren't harassed about it. Like they nope. didn't, they they didn't give us any problems. But him, there was an issue. Yeah, we played a lot of shows where we didn't have any issues, and uh, maybe we shouldn't. Well, one of the venues isn't around anymore, so I guess we could talk about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Club Vegas, playing a show at Club Vegas, and uh, we were trying to get Cody in. Cody was not twenty one yet. We were pretty close. So, you know, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, it but was the just guy, a few months shy, I think. Yeah. The guy who was uh, doing the whole setup was like, no, I'm not having this. It's like, yeah, this isn't going to be all right. We're not going to allow the band to do anything. And I think at that point, we were the headlining show. I think so. Yeah. So it was like, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, we, we've got all these fans that are going to be showing up. All of them. I think there was like five people that showed up. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, what were we supposed to do? And eventually he let you come in. I figure maybe you can talk about that because it, you know, was mostly about you. Well, the, the deal was like, he, he definitely went out of his way to work with us on that. And, you know, I can't say enough about how just welcoming and everything that that particular venue was. Oh, I love they that just, place. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, it, it's a historical kind of spot at this point for people who were there at that time. 
but he was definitely very, very reasonable. He still allowed us to play. He just made the stipulation that I would have to wait outside until Mm -hmm. it was time to play the show. Then I would come inside and play and then go right back outside. And I understand fully that he was just trying to cover his bases and not like lose his license (laughs) to operate a venue on that scale. So yeah, it was cool. We were very grateful to have that opportunity and he definitely worked with us. It would have been nice to hang out and, you know, socialize with the five of our fans who did show up. Right. But uh, it was, it was still a good night for sure. Yeah, it was. And uh, I love that place. You know, they, they had the best sound out of any other, I don't want to say dump or dive bar, but everywhere else we played didn't have a sound system that even rivaled that one. It was so Mm -hmm. great. Uh, The sound on stage, I should say. Yeah, there was, well, even the sound off stage. But, you know, that just goes to show how much they put into that particular venue, just trying to make it work, make it a good place to go see a show. And, yeah, and we went really and played place. and saw a lot of cool shows there, too. Yeah. So too bad it's not still around. Like I met Brett Michaels there. That was really cool. They had a Brett Michaels after party for when Poison came through. And so he came and met everybody, Club Vegas. And I was like, Oh, did he give you the Kenny Chesney treatment? <laughs> no, no. Oh, he, man. He didn't show you his rock of love? No, no. But <laughs> the girl that I took with me at that time was trying to find that rock of love for sure. Oh, okay. She would have been on the show. She would have ditched you and just been on the show. A hundred percent. She would have totally still, ditched me. If- that's funny because we played another show at Club Vegas with uh, Daisy... Um, Fuentes. Daisy Fuentes. Yes. Who was on that show? Who was on Rock of Love? Yep. That was an interesting show. Yeah. That was an interesting show. Because we opened the show and, you know, there's a pretty decent crowd there and we were having a good time. And then after we played and they went up on stage and she did her whole Daisy Rock routine and everybody was just heckling her. I felt bad, but I also didn't because she was kind of a hack. Her guitar player, though, her guitar player really inspired me because he was just sitting there playing these really intricate kind of like blues rock riffs and leads and stuff like that. And he wasn't even looking at his guitar. He was just stone faced front, like doing the rock star thing, pulling it off. That guy was awesome. And it didn't seem like anybody there had professional gear either. Like we'd gone Mm -hmm. up there with all of our cool, you know, half stacks and stuff and me with my combo amp because that's all I could have at the time. But they came up and it was like they were with small amplifiers that we'd use in your house and not necessarily at a venue. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's smart now. Now that I think about it, that's super smart because you don't have all the equipment that you have to move around. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't used an actual amplifier in guitar cabinet on stage in several years because it's so much easier to have a unit you can go direct in and, you know, have your in-ear monitors set right. up just right so that you can hear everything you need to and it sounds great. You don't need stage monitors, which is a huge load off a lot of the uh, audio guys, um, various different venues. But, you know, knowing that now is completely different than back then when we were just sitting there staring at their little practice amplifiers, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what, what are these guys doing? Did they roll out from their bedroom like two <laughs> days ago and just expect to do a tour? Right. I still have the flyer from that show too. Cause that was just a pretty amazing night. It was, it was, it was really cool. 
It was a good night. Mm-hmm. Besides the heckling, which grew to uncomfortable levels based yeah. on some uh, inebriated members of the crowd. Unfortunately. But still a good night. Yes. But yeah, we played there with uh, CVC as well. And I remember us playing a show. I can't remember what exactly it happened, but there always seemed to be some drama whenever we played with CVC. There was always something going on. Oh, it was, we had set our stuff up on the stage and they were headlining and they were way late. Like, like they weren't even close to the sound check time or the check-in time, right? The doors open, whatever. And we'd put all of our stuff up there because we were going to be the ones playing, right? We were the ones playing the very first. And uh, their singer, uh, same guy, great big dude. He's like basically telling us we're unprofessional because we didn't allow them to come and do their sound check before, you know, we took stage. And it was just kind of like, we're going to be playing a show in like 15 minutes. You guys are super late. I'm sorry, but that just can't happen. And it, it I remember being a little frustrated about that because it's like, you guys aren't like national headliners or something like that. Like get a grip. It'll be okay. Do a sound check. Just like everybody else does. It's fine. Yeah, totally. I mean, you can't roll into any gig with that kind of ego, no matter who you are. I mean, you can, dependent on who you actually are. But at the same time, why would you? I mean, it's just everybody's up there just trying to play their music and connect with people and all that. You might have a wider audience, a wider reach. You might be headlining for whatever reason, but that doesn't give you the right to treat everybody else like that. True. You know, the other bands are not your subordinates. No, no. Especially at that level. <laughs> no, they're they're your colleagues right. and you should treat them as such. And right. it was it was just not right. And like you were saying, every time we played with them there was some sort of drama. And I felt every like time. that was just kind of created within their camp somehow. I don't know exactly who or what or why. Maybe it was just the entire vibe of their band itself was just oozing drama. Or maybe there was just one person in particular. And, you know, it's easy to speculate now, but... I think it all revolved around the singer, too, because I think that he had some very high expectations when it came down to, yeah, his expectations, really. Yeah, and they were all super, super talented guys. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they definitely had the right to feel like they were as talented as they were but at the same time that's not how you go into a situation like you said it's it it, it all seemed to be centered around him yeah so i think that was the root cause of a lot of those weird situations we played several shows with them one particularly that comes to mind is a club show at this kind of like more more of a dance club and they had an awesome awesome stage it was like really cool it had all sorts of different risers and everything and you know a drum riser and like it was spread out in really interesting ways and we walked in we're like oh man this is gonna be a great show really excited to play on this stage and then they said no you have to play on the balcony over there and the other band has to set up on the balcony opposite and it was like wraparound kind of mezzanine area up there and it didn't make any sense, but that's what they made us do. And it was a terrible show. Like the it crowd was. that came for that was expecting dance music. We did not play dance music and no. CBC did not play that kind of dance music. So in and of itself, that show was not great, but there were a lot of interesting events that occurred that night. 
Indeed. So I remember us setting up and I remember CVC setting up and they, they played their set and, and their set was a little bit more the same as, as what you would get at a club kind of in a way, you know, it was, it was things that weren't really, I mean, we were, we were rock. I mean, we were like straight up kind of metal, you know? Mm -hmm. So for them to be just kind of like a bluesy, jazzy, kind of a, a fun, you know, sound, I thought they made pretty well there. Well, we start noticing these girls and stuff coming in with like full dresses and stuff. And at that point I was like, yeah, we're in the wrong crowd. Like this, this might not go over very well. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I remember us getting set up and, uh, again, the lead singer for CVC, you know, he ended up taking over the entire night, ended up playing DJ and doing all this other kind of stuff. And, and I thought it was kind of rude in my opinion, considering that at one point in time, we're in the middle of a song and they just shut everything off. It was like, sorry, guys, you're not what we're looking for here right now, as all the people are just kind of sitting around waiting for the dance music to start when some people were leaving. So it's understandable. We were just at the wrong spot. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting, interesting night. And I remember the guy who used to set us up with all of our shows was really kind of mad at us because we didn't go through him. We found somebody else that gave us the show. And he had told us, it's not your crowd. It's not all this other kind of stuff. And he was right. But at the same time, I always kind of thought he was a swindler. Like he always seemed mm -hmm. like he had intentions to take money from us. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he was saying that it was not our crowd, but the shows that he booked for us had no crowd. So no. It, it it didn't really work out all of that well. And he was he was definitely the kind to have his own interests at heart for everything right. and play things really close to the chest, but also not be super intelligent about the way he did that. It was not very tricky. It, it was easy to see through it. He would demand all this money from us because he did all of this um, advertising for us and all of this, you know, and he's like, I have put thousands of flyers out around town. I think he'd ask for like a hundred bucks for doing all that. And it's like, we, we never asked you to do that. Like, mm -hmm. how did we know that that was going to be a thing? Yeah. Um, also, never saw any flyers around town. Either, exactly. So. And it's like, so never once did we have somebody show up to a show and be like, oh, I saw the flyer. I thought I'd come check it out. So it's like, I think he was kind of full of shit. And yeah, took advantage of us in, in, in that way. Definitely. And we never made any money from any of nope. those shows. Nope. And so that's that kind of ties it all back into uh, why we're here. You right. know, we have you have to do alternative things to make money to play the gig. And we were definitely in that spot with all of these different shows that we've been talking about. So and our friends in different states of inebriation doing crazy things during the shows and after the shows. Yeah, there were there were definitely some good times and bad times there. And it's fun to reminisce on mm -hmm. those various different shows back when we were just starting out as that band. Yeah. But it all goes back to doing what you love and trying to find a way to do that by, you know, finding different sources of income. And, you know, I know I've had all kinds of different jobs and, right. and stuff like that just to, at that time, I think I was working at like Jimmy John's that at that time. I don't and know. that was, that was paying the bills. And that was covering the gas money to get to the places and covering the gear that we needed to play these different shows. So, oh, the fun, you know, <laughs> jobs that we got just to try to provide for ourselves. 
Yeah. Those are some good memories. Yeah, absolutely. So that will conclude this story of the day, which actually turned into a couple, but we kind of yep. put it under the umbrella of the band that Andrew and I were in at the time, the story of the day of our dying day and all of the different shows that we made no money doing. So there'll be more there. I mean, there'll be more stories. Oh yeah. You know, the kind of toy tie tons, into that. Tons of, tons of crazy stuff that happened during that time when we were just trying to get established. So yeah. Anyways, you know, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Our story of the day, our dying day, and we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate you guys listening. So yeah. Over and out.